0: Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Oh, wait, wait. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm ready. Wait, no. Welcome to Book Talk, Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina from TBR, Etc. And I'm Renee from It's Book Talk. This is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. Today, we're sharing our October books on the radar.
1: We'll share something that we've been loving lately, review our latest read, and have book talk about October releases we're the most excited about. We'll wrap things up with our shelf edition... We're a new podcast, so if you like what you hear, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And if you have a quick minute, please consider leaving us a review. It helps us find our perfect listening audience. Hey, Tina. Hi, Renee. How are you? I am good. How about you?
0: Good. I am settled in, ready to go. I was, of course, finishing my little script this morning deciding which books I want to choose. And I noticed something. I literally found this out five minutes ago. One of my picks for October has been pushed to November because I don't know if you've heard this, but there is a major backup with books being released and a lot of publication dates are being pushed because the Suez Canal, there's that, you know, the blockage. That's the reason. Mm -hmm. And printers are backed up. Because all of the books from last year got pushed to this year because of COVID. And apparently it's having having an effect and a lot of authors are being affected. So just a heads up, we're going to talk about books we think are going to come out in October, but it could be that they get pushed, but we will get them eventually.
1: I had the same thing. I mean, I had already messaged you that one of my picks Mm -hmm. got bumped. So I was able, I picked another one. And then found out the very depressing news about Don Winslow's book, which was one of my shelf editions that was coming right. out in September, got pushed all the way to the spring.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. His book City on Fire. I went to pre-order it and then that's when I found out. It yeah. was
0: the spring. Oh, That's no. right. You did say that. My pick has only been bumped one week. So I'll actually just share it now because I don't think I'll bring it, you know, later. It, it's okay. very, very quick. The book that I really wanted to share with you guys is called Bibliophile Diverse Spines. And this oh, one's by... Oh, got pushed. It did. It got pushed oh. to um, November 2nd, I believe. Okay. And this is by a bookstagrammer and, you know, other reading enthusiast and influencer, Jamise Harper, who is of Spines Vines on Instagram. So this is basically a coffee table book and it highlights diverse authors and BIPOC bookstores. And it's really beautiful. It's illustrated by Jane Mount. And I'm very excited about it. I do have a pre-order in, so I will get it eventually. But I wanted to give that one a quick shout out because it did get bumped from October. What was the title again? That one is Bibliophile Diverse Spines. Yeah. Got it. it, Yeah, I have seen that cover.
1: It's really nice. Mm
0: -hmm. It's really nice. Jane Mount has another one just, I think, called Bibliophile. Came out probably uh, maybe two, three years ago. Same idea. Coffee table book. Beautifully illustrated. So I'm super excited to get my hands on it whenever it is available.
1: Yes. I'm going to get my pre-order in for that. Thank you for reminding me. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Well, should we get started with our loving lately? Let's
0: do it. I have such a good one. You are going to be. Yeah, you've been titillated. teasing
1: this, <laughs> and I was trying to guess in my like in my thoughts, like what could she possibly be bringing that mm-hmm. I? And it's not skincare. You gave me that Mm-mm, hint. Not skincare. so. Okay, what is it?
0: My loving lately is a podcast, and it is called Bad Blood: The Final Chapter. And this is by John Carreyrou. So this might sound familiar. Mm -hmm. Bad Blood is a nonfiction book that came out several years ago. His book was Bad Blood, Secrets and Lies in a Silicon Valley Startup. And that came out in 2018. And it's investigative journalism that broke open the case of Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos. So this podcast is an extension of this because she is now in court on trial. Essentially, she claimed that her company, Theranos, was able to administer a whole panel of tests from just a few drops of blood. But there's evidence to support that their machines never worked, and they were using alternate machines to actually perform the tests. They raised millions upon millions of dollars and were able to con all of these influential people into investing in the company. They also got big companies such as Walgreens on their side. She was one of the youngest self-made millionaires in the U.S., but now she is on trial for fraud. The trial itself began at the end of August, and this podcast expands on Carrie Rue's book, because he actually was one of the men to break open this case. Elizabeth Holmes is refusing to take a plea deal, as many people might do in her situation, so her this is going to trial. She is still denying that she did anything wrong, despite all of the evidence allegedly that is against her. So she had a business partner and a boyfriend named Sonny. He was much older than her. And my prediction and the way the podcast kind of sets it up, it looks like they're likely going to try and blame it on him. And in one of the episodes, they read text messages that they were able to obtain between Elizabeth and this ex-boyfriend, Sonny they're pretty damning, kind of shows that she knew what was going on. So this trial will probably go on a while. I am sure there will be more podcast episodes, but I really enjoyed it. I binged the four that were available at the time of this recording in an afternoon. So I definitely got sucked in. If you liked the book, absolutely listen to this podcast. Or if you have not read the book yet, I highly recommend it. I gave it five stars. If you like true crime and or investigative journalism, both of these would be a great pick for you. And this was the podcast, Bad Blood, the final chapter.
1: Oh, that is good. Yeah, I'm going to catch that only because I did try that book on audio. Mm -hmm. I probably got maybe an hour or two into it, and I cannot remember why I stopped listening. I don't know if it just... It just became maybe too much backstory. I'm not even Mm. sure. I don't remember. But Mm -hmm. you really liked the book?
0: Really liked the book. I also listened to it, and I thought it was very well done. I got sucked in. I, like, binged the heck out of that book. So I was very excited to get more from the story.
1: I think most people really, really liked it Mm -hmm. from all the reviews I remember. But this sounds like a good way to get updated on the information without Mm -hmm. going and reading the book, maybe.
0: Yeah. And there actually are full podcasts. If you don't want to read the full book, there's full podcasts that kind of go into the backstory of it. I can't remember the name of it. We can link it, but I did not listen to the podcast because I had read the book and it was so similar that I was like, I already know all of this. I didn't feel like I needed to hear it again. Same with the documentary on HBO about Elizabeth Holmes. I did not watch it because I knew most of it from Carrie Rue's book. And I was so happy when I came across this podcast because I was like, wait a minute, somebody is scooping this guy's book. Like, what happened to John Carrie Rue? And then I opened up the podcast. I'm like, oh, it's him. So that made me happy.
1: Okay, well, let me ask you this quick, since you have read the book. Mm -hmm. Do you think she would be not taking a plea deal because she's so full of herself, which I think, yeah, the, right? Ego yeah. won't allow her, even though it's probably going to blow up in her face, right? I think she's delusional enough to believe she hasn't done
0: anything wrong. I think okay. she believes what she's telling herself. Okay. I really, really do. And I also think she's very calculated. She can't fail. And I think she truly has talked herself into believing that she will be able to, she's able to like con all of these people and get them to believe in her. She's very, very manipulative and good at that. So I think she thinks she's going to be able to do the same to the jury.
1: Okay. Got it. Is this televised? Did I see that? Could be. I would,
0: I don't know, honestly, I imagine it would be right, but I'm not sure. Okay. Maybe I, I just, did see it um, on the news, but I don't know if
1: like the actual trial itself is okay. televised. That's probably what I keep seeing. Um, yes. Okay. You, that if is you've a good seen one.
0: her, you've if you've ever seen her, you know she's very like rem- memorable. She's blonde, very yes. big eyed, always with a red lip and a high neck turtleneck, a black turtleneck to evoke her idol Steve Steve Jobs. Jobs. I remember mm-hmm. that part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, she talks with she... a very deep voice. I can't even <laughs> do it. <laughs> but it was really funny when they were sharing the text messages, the actress that is reading the text messages does it in Elizabeth Holmes's voice. So it was oh. um, it was like parody almost, but that's how she talks. That, like she affects this voice to kind of give herself more presence. So I thought it that's was- That's so a, clever. Y- yeah.
1: Isn't it crazy how also text messages that you think oh. are gone and deleted, they're <laughs> never gone and Nothing deleted. Nothing
0: is gone. So, you know, keep that in mind. Right. But anyway, exactly. it's very juicy. Okay. Very, very juicy. What good do you one,
1: have? Good one. I have something very simple yet also very useful. Okay. And it is called, or I should say they are called, Peace Out Puffy Under Eye Patches.
0: Oh my gosh. I could use these right now.
1: <laughs> um, I definitely am going to put some of these on today. I should have already, but anyway, these. You can get it at Sephora. I'm sure you can get that. Actually, I think these are only available at Sephora. There's also a brand called Patchology. Same idea. And I think those are at Ulta. I've tried both. I keep these in the fridge. And what they are, are little individual patches that have, uh, let's see, our favorite hyaluronic acid. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't even know if I can pronounce this. I'm going to give it a try. Niacinamide? Yeah. Okay, and caffeine—all on the patch. They're very kind of gooey-like, mm-hmm. but I keep mine in the fridge, and that way they're super cold. Put them under your eyes uh, for about fifteen minutes, mm-hmm. and it helps. I mean, I don't know about you. I mean, you—you you always look good, even when well, you I don't know have. About and that I baby, know you but... have some lack of sleep sometimes. I mean, whether you're a mom or someone who doesn't sleep well, young kids, me who are, I mean, I'm i am heading, I'm getting older. I don't even have young kids at home. I still don't sleep well. Mm-hmm. So there's, my eyes are always dark and puffy. <laughs> so these help. They're better than nothing. And I think they're worth the price. I think these are about $25 mm-hmm. for six. So you get three, Three individual pieces. Got it. They are vegan. They are without parabens. And I don't know. I like them. I think they're useful. And that's Peace Out Puffy Under Eye Patches.
0: Love it. I I had like a very inexpensive version that was reusable. So it was something you can toss in the fridge. And it was just like a mini ice pack. But this sounds Mm. much did they effective. stay? Did that stay on? Well, I would lay down. <laughs> okay, <laughs> like okay. lay down with, you know, yeah. the little patches over my eyes. But yeah, these sound much more effective because they have that, those good skincare ingredients. Right. And you
1: don't rinse them off. Once you right. take them off, you pat everything in, then you can put on your eye cream. Mm-hmm. And yes, you don't have to lay down. You can walk around. Right. Because they do what you need to, you. to do. Right. They stick to you. And there was something else I was going to mention about these. Oh, Did I say the price point? They're about 25 bucks. Okay. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of pricey, but, you know, it's something fast. And if you're going
0: somewhere, you have like some reason to want to like do that extra step. Like, I'd love that.
1: Why not? Exactly. But I have yet to find that my under eye cream, you know, doesn't really do a whole lot for puffiness. So.
0: Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of, not to go on a skincare tangent, but there's a lot of debate with, I think, skincare experts. Like, does eye cream really work? Can you just move Mm -hmm. your skincare up closer to your eyes? So I, too, am on the never-ending hunt for a good one. I have a rec that I'll bring in a future episode. That's okay. That's pretty good. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Right.
1: And also, I know a lot of people use the Jade Roller. So if anyone, and I do have one, Mm -hmm. but uh, I don't know. I don't know if I've seen a big difference with that. And I don't know if maybe I have you have to roll, roll, roll for oh, an extended have, amount of time. Do you, I, I have so I don't. many
0: roller options. I will <laughs> share them with you at some point. But, you know, the one that I have from Nurse Jamie, it's like a purple wand and it has the little um, nubbins on them.
1: And oh, you, you, okay. Yes.
0: I'm I'm showing Renee upward motions <laughs> to roll out my face. I absolutely love this thing. It gets super cold. And obviously, we can link to this as well. But I've used it on Instagram before because I love this dang thing. Similar idea. It doesn't have skincare. That's just more of a tool. Yours has, like, ac- extra skincare right, right. that helps that under area.
1: Yes. Okay. Well, that's it for Fabulous. our loving lately's. Well, thank you. What have you been reading lately?
0: My latest read as I am want to do. I just finished it this morning, and it was (laughs) The Night She Disappeared
1: by Lisa Jewell. Oh, I can't
0: wait to hear. Lisa Jewell is one of my all-time favorite authors, and I know I've shared her books on the podcast before, so my anticipation for her latest was high. I think this came out just this week, which, anyway, it came out in the beginning of September. She generally comes out with a book a year, and they are always solid stories, in my opinion. In the night she disappeared, you have 19-year-old Tallulah. She is a young mother in a relationship with the father of her child, Zach. They're trying to make things work, but they're young. They don't have a ton of money. They're young parents. And one night, she and Zach go out on a date and leave their baby with Tallulah's mother, Kim. They also happen to live with Kim while they're trying to get on their feet. Kim is totally for it and encourages the kids to have fun. But when the couple doesn't come home, she begins to panic naturally. Kim is calling around to Tallulah's friends, and no one knows where they went. Zach's mother doesn't seem to be all that concerned, and it's not until days later when the couple still hasn't returned that they begin to accept that something might have happened to them. They basically say, oh, they're young parents, they're wild and free, maybe they just did a runner, and Kim is trying to tell the police, and everybody like, no, these parents are devoted to their child, they wouldn't have gone without a reason. Then you have another perspective that really kind of threw me for a loop. It's set two years later, the perspective is that of Sophie. Sophie is an author, and she is dating the head teacher of a nearby boarding school, And they are new to town. They move there for his job. And Sophie is taking a walk in the woods one day and finds a note fixed to a tree that says, dig here. And then it takes off from there. All in all, I really, really liked this. I switched between audio and print. And I quite liked the audio. You know we love British Mm -hmm. narration. Mm -hmm. And this was very well done. The story itself, too, felt very British to me. From the accents to the boarding school setting to the countryside. I will say this is a slower burn that takes a little bit to build because, again, you have these two very disparate perspectives and you're like, how are these folks going to come together? I personally got sucked in immediately, but I know I've heard from others that it is a little bit slower. So keep that in mind. I will say one timeline was slightly more interesting than the other, but I really loved how the author took what seemed to be these random people and melded them together to form a very cohesive story. And what I loved was she gives the reader enough clues so that you can try and solve the mystery of what happened to Tallulah and Zach. There were plenty of curveballs that I didn't see coming. I really enjoyed the ending. And Honestly, this was my favorite book of hers since then she was gone in 2017. Okay. And I've read all of them since that. So this is up there. I mean, I have the recency bias, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm like, I loved it. Five stars. It's my favorite. (laughs) So I may have to like take a step and think, okay, was this my favorite? But honestly, I liked this more than her previous three books. And I really liked those last three. So that says a lot for me. Mm -hmm. Highly recommended. And this was The Night She Disappeared by Lisa Jewell.
1: Okay. Yes, that's definitely high praise. And I thought you were, for a second, I thought you were going to say you liked it better than Then She Was Gone, and I'm I was not like, sure. what? I'm
0: not sure if I'm going to make that proclamation. Honestly, I can't remember Then She Was Gone now, because it's been several years since I read it, but mm-hmm. I know you read it recently, I, so right. you're and like, I wait a minute. I loved it. Yeah. Yes, I loved it. They are equal in my mind,
1: and actually, they kind of reminded me of one another in, in certain ways, so. Okay, then I'm I'm definitely, I'm I'm gonna read this, but now you've I've beat me you. to it. I know. Th- oh. This happens every week. <laughs> we, we, I mean- we do have this little bit of a struggle going on mm-hmm. as to we want to read a lot of the same books mm-hmm. and who's going to be able to bring it first. Yeah. So <laughs> okay. if you That's want it, one. you
0: if you want it, you got to get on it, you know?
1: Well, you know, I guess. Yeah, but I didn't know you were reading it. <laughs>
0: well, tell me what your latest read is and maybe
1: I'll be jealous. Okay. My latest read was, because I finished it, Fault Lines by Emily Atami. This is a debut. I love it. <sighs> Yes. It's a debut about marriage, motherhood, love, and the surprising city that is modern Tokyo. Mizuki is the main character. Mm -hmm. She is a Japanese housewife. She has a hardworking husband, two adorable children, and a beautiful Tokyo apartment. It is everything a woman could want on paper. Yet sometimes she wonders whether she would rather throw herself off the high-rise balcony... (laughs) Then spend another evening not talking to her husband and hanging up laundry. I mean... Yeah, you come for her. (laughs) uh, You really do. Then, one rainy night, she meets Kiyoshi, a successful restaurant owner. In him, she rediscovers freedom, friendship, and the neon electric pulse of the city she has always loved. But as she further falls into the relationship, it becomes clear that she is living two lives. And in the end, she can only choose one. Now it sounds really deep and it was at times, but this is actually really clever, witty, very funny. I laughed out loud at times. Yeah, It's billed as the Helen Fielding type of wit. And it definitely was with that type of observations about life and being a woman and all of that I think you would like this. So here is what I thought and it's definitely also a bittersweet love story which you know mm-hmm. I love I love. Yeah. I love a dilemma I love when things are not cut and dry yeah as far as how the relationship goes. So let me start with the fact that this was a fantastic debut. And I also listened to this and this is kind of confusing. It's a, it's British narration, Mm, okay. but there's no, it's set in Tokyo Mm -hmm. and she is a Japanese woman. So I'm not quite sure why they went with British narration, but you know, I love British narration. It was, it was interesting. I immediately connected with Mizuki. And I think as moms, I think if you are a mom, you will definitely connect with parts of her especially in the beginning. Now, as the story went on, I connected less with her. <laughs> and I can't go into a whole lot of detail about that. But I thought that the author really was able to draw on this character's wit and her ability to bring the reader, me, into her despair. I mean, she just wanted her husband to engage with her. Mm. And he, he wasn't. Like, he was always on his phone. I mean, you could feel it. And her kids often drove her up the wall. It was funny, but it was also very observant as far as motherhood goes. I thought it was pitch perfect. The humor, the wit, and Tokyo. Oh, my gosh. The setting. It was so good. It was so vivid. Mizuki narrates the entire story. Okay. So there were times in the middle I thought I could use a break. Could we shift perspectives a little? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's okay. Now, I didn't always agree with where the story went. And so be aware if you have issues or you don't enjoy the possibility of an emotional and or physical affair and infidelity then you might be uncomfortable. Mm. I mean, I was definitely uncomfortable. And I'm not saying that it happened, but there's possibility. Okay. That it's, you know what I mean? That the possibility the, is there. It's the, in the synopsis. Yeah, the
0: tension is there.
1: And very much. I loved the themes. I loved what the author explored as far as marriage and motherhood and how she she, Mizuki, lost herself when she became a wife and a mother. Mm-hmm. And that was unexpected and years go by. And then she realizes she doesn't know who she is anymore. So all in all, the more I even think about it, and I probably finished it, I don't know, five or six days ago, the more I like it. This would be a really good book club book, lots of discussion. I'm waiting to discuss it. I just need to find somebody <laughs>
0: <laughs> who's also read it.
1: <laughs> right. So I keep I keep mentioning it on Instagram, hoping that someone's going to say, I read it. Let's talk about it. But anyway, that was Fault Lines by Emily Itami.
0: That sounds so good. I definitely want to read this one, too. So maybe I'll be your buddy. Well, no promises, though, but maybe. You know
1: what? what? We could deep dive this one. We could deep dive this one. Okay. There's a lot to, there's a lot. A lot to uncover. To explore.
0: I have been loving books about motherhood this year. Like that, I think if I were to look back at the books I've read in 2021, that'll be a major theme is motherhood books.
1: And well, all their many iterations. And you know, you haven't really got to some of the parts. I mean, she had this scene with her son, who's, he was four, I think in the book. So definite, definite, you know. Ahead of where you are with Lily, but the tantrum he threw oh, on the, in public, in front of, and the way that she felt and responded, uh, I've been there.
0: Uh-huh. I've been
1: there many times with having raised two boys and mm-hmm. I, oh my, I just felt it. I connected with it. I thought it was spot on as to how you like, how you feel And what you try to do when you've got this kid throwing a complete fit, like (laughs) it was it was good. So yeah, hopefully this book gets a little bit more traction Mm -hmm. than what I think it's it's getting right now. Yeah. And this sounds good. Wow. All right. Okay, good. Those are some good latest reads. Yes.
0: So for book talk today, we wanted to chat a little bit before we jump into our October books on the radar and talk about seasonal reading. Do we read differently in fall? Does the changing season dictate our reading preferences? For me, I find that I have the best intentions in fall to read all of the spooky books, but I usually don't get to it. I think it's almost the anticipation of, oh boy, it's going (laughs) to be fall. We got the changing leaves. We've got all of the fall colors. Like, let me get some spooky books. And then once fall comes, it's so busy that I'm like, okay, what? (laughs) I'm reading whatever's in front of me because I can't keep up.
1: I can see that. I do think I change my reading preferences for the fall and then for the winter. Mm -hmm. And not that much for the spring and then definitely for the summer. Right. Okay. Well, also, we're in the Midwest. So we get changing seasons. Correct. That's a big thing. Mm -hmm. And so we do, I think, have more of an opportunity to think about seasonal reading. And I'd be curious to know if people in warmer, climates. If you're in the South or in California, if you don't have changing seasons, do you still change your reading? It would be. Or, or why or why not? Right. Um,
0: Maybe that's but, the only way that they get fall, right? That they can kind of lean into the season is by reading, whether it's fall books, campus novels, spooky stuff. Or true. Or if it's winter, stuff set in the snow.
1: Right. And I also really would like to, I always say I'm going to read more spooky books. Mm-hmm but we'll see. I might actually do that this fall. (laughs) I really might. This is the fall.
0: We're going to do it together.
1: I really might. I have a plan. And also I have a plan to pick up the next Louise Penny, which is Fatal Grace, because I have thought about that in the spring. And then I said, nope, I'm going to wait till the fall because I feel like those are cold weather books. (laughs) I don't know why. Maybe somebody told me that. I'm not sure.
0: Well, whatever. So, is that book two in the
1: Louise Penny series? Yes, that's book two because you've already Mm -hmm. read book one, right? Right, right, a long time ago. So, for me personally, I really hit on my mood for straight mysteries in the fall, whereas in the summer, I like fast-paced thrillers. Got it. So that's how I change my genre preference a little bit. So for me where you think about mystery, I think about a little bit more literary.
0: Like I want like a big old chunky book and even better if it's like a campus setting, like something about that. I think I'm maybe just conditioned, but it all boils down to marketing, right? Like I change my coffee order when it comes to fall. Like I love a pumpkin spice latte. Mm -hmm. We change what we're wearing. I even sometimes change the theme on my Instagram because I'm like, okay, bright colors are, you know, we've done that for summer. I'm going to lean into a little bit more
1: of a fall aesthetic on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Exactly right. And really, we don't have a choice as far as Instagram pics go. If we are people that use the outdoors for their book pictures, like I do, because I love to just... If I have a book and not my iPad... (laughs) <laughs> if I actually have a book, I go outside all the time. Oh, that's and so And just true. kind of,
0: you know what I mean? Mess around.
1: It, especially with flowers and like trees. We don't have that in the winter. So you will see, especially my picks, change to maybe some fall leaves in the background and then snow. Mm-hmm. Because that's all we have. That's all you get. Really. Right. Or Dead ground
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, oh, and it gets so ugly too, my goodness, right. January through March is literally like
1: there's nothing aesthetic about outside at all so. right exactly and and you mentioning that is actually what they talk about in the uh, an article by The Guardian, and it will link to that about seasonal reading, and they do say that the publishing industry plays a part with their marketing and what they want us to be in the mood to read and when they are publishing books. Because more Mm -hmm. literary fiction is published in the fall and heading in towards the winter. So that makes sense. It does. And And we buy right or at least I buy right into it too. Right. I do too. So let me ask you this. This Mm -hmm. popped into my head, not to put you on the spot, but when you said you like a chunky book. yeah. Are you planning on reading the new one Oprah picked, which is 800 pages?
0: Yes, I am planning to read that. I don't know that I'm going to get to it this fall. The Love Stories. The Love Songs of W.E.B. Oh, I said stories. Right. By Honoré Fanoné Jeffers. Yes. And this is a debut. And I am very interested. Mm -hmm. I've seen. It's so beautiful. It's like you said, 800 something pages, Mm -hmm. a bright orange cover. I've seen a lot of people reading it on Instagram, and honestly, I have FOMO. But that's okay. Like, I'm totally down to, like, what I will probably do is buy this book, have it. I want to see it on my shelves. I want to hold it for a while. Mm -hmm. I want to sit with it. And then I likely will probably get an e-copy or audio because it's very hard for me to read physical books these days. But yeah, that one is one that's on my list.
1: Okay, me too. And I do think I can do it in the fall and winter, mm-hmm. even though I am intimidated by that length.
0: Yes. What I like to do for books like this, I love to have them on audio and then just slowly mm-hmm. listen, make my way through, and then I will get out. I'll listen to it for you know a couple hours, whatever, get out the book, move my little bookmark down the line so that I can see like, oh, I'm making progress. I like to look at the chapters because there's something about that experience of having it both ways. This is what I did for the book Stamped from the Beginning. Ibram X. Kendi. It took me probably, gosh, seven months to read, but I'm so happy that I read it. Oh, okay. Even though it did take me longer than, you know, this is not, these are not binge worthy books and that's good. That is okay. I like having those in -hmm. addition to all of the other stuff we read.
1: Well, and I keep saying to myself on the one hand, yes, I want to read that and I want to be able to kind of see because I don't always align with Oprah's picks. Mm -hmm. But so I want to see. But then I I disregard because of the length. But then I think of a little life. Yeah. And then I think exactly, oh, that's been my top book of the last decade. Mm -hmm. And what if I would have said no to that because of the length? So I think I'm gonna have to do what you are suggesting and get it in print and also have the audio. Mm -hmm. That sounds like a good plan.
0: And my motto is: I would much rather read one excellent eight hundred page book than two or three middle of the road books.
1: True. That's ex- that's exactly right. I haven't even I hadn't even thought about it like that. But you are right. So anything else to add? Well, you said spooky books mm-hmm. and ch- big chunkies.
0: Bit spooky books and big big books. chunkies. <laughs>
1: but and is campus. there anything? Oh, campus. Okay, that's mm-hmm. right. I knew there was something else that you're usually in the mood for in the fall. Campus. Yes. Okay. Well,
0: those are my thoughts. That's <laughs> it. I know. I was trying to look up this spooky book that I've had on my list for literal freaking years. I have a copy of it. I've been meaning to read it every fall. I pull this damn book out and say, What okay, is it? I'm now we need it. to know. Yes. Well, I was going to say, maybe John can cut that part if <laughs> we don't.
1: Well, I have one while you're looking for yours. Do you Go know ahead. what spooky, what? I think it's spooky. It's been on my list forever. The cabin at the end of the woods. Yes, Paul by Paul Tremblay. Tremblay, mm-hmm. and I've I haven't read anything by him, but that is the book that every October for the last couple years. Yeah, I get it. I even get it as an ebook, and then I and then don't it was- read it, and then it <laughs> expires, and then I think, oh, okay, I wait till next exactly. October. Okay, and guess what? What? It came in as on my Libby this morning, and I have downloaded it onto my Kindle.
0: Well, this is book intuition. We're going to make a pact here together. (laughs) You will read The Cabin at the End of the Woods, and I will read Out by Natsuo Kirvino. Out by Natsuo Kirvino has been on my list literally for ages, and it's a Japanese crime novel. And what I loved about it is it looks like a woman either accidentally or on purpose or somehow her husband dies and she enlists the help of her girlfriends to hide the body, which,
1: hello. Come I on. How did you find a book that a crime book I've never heard of? Skill What?
0: <laughs> oh, okay. my. So okay. we have our spooky books that we're going to bring and we'll bring these to the
1: podcast for continuity's sake. Well, what if I don't, am I going to like at The Cabin at the End of the wood?
0: I think you will. I have okay. not read it. I have read the author. I have not I read that specific book, but okay. give I it a whirl. It,
1: I'm going to give it a go. Okay. We, we've put it out there. We have to now. Got
0: to do it. All right. Well, let's All jump right. into our book list, our October books on the radar. Do you mind if I go first? No, please. Well, first for me is The Lighthouse Witches by C.J. Cook. This one comes out on October 5th, and it caught my eye because it's being marketed as a gothic thriller And I read that the author drew inspiration from Scotland's witch trials. So I said, "Okay, I have to know more. So in this book, you have Liv. She is a mother of three, and she's been commissioned to paint a mural in a 100-year-old lighthouse on a remote Scottish island. She thinks it's a great opportunity for their family to start over. But when they get there, two of the girls go missing. So of course, the family is frantic and they learn that there is a cave beneath the lighthouse and that it was once used as a prison for women being accused of witchcraft. The locals tell her stories about wildlings, which are supernatural beings who mimic human children, and they were said to be created by witches for revenge. The story flashes forward to 22 years later, and the remaining sister has been searching for her other two sisters for decades. Finally, she receives a call that one of them has been found, and initially she is ecstatic. However, the girl comes home, and she's still seven years old, which is the age she was when she vanished. The sister is obviously baffled, and although she has very few memories of her time on the island, she feels she has no choice but to return and to find out the truth of what's happening to her family. So you've got a little bit of a chilling gothic thriller. It draws on folklore. There's a little bit of supernatural, a little bit of horror. And again, what I loved is that it draws on little-known history. And it's said to be an examination of mother-daughter relationships. Sounded like the perfect October read to me. This is The Lighthouse Witches by C.J. Cook.
1: Wow. You managed to bring something totally in my wheelhouse that I... And all of my research didn't find. I don't
0: know. I just, good job. Isn't it funny the things that like, maybe you saw it, but because I'm explaining it to you, you're like, oh, yeah, this sounds good. I do that with books that you recommend. Like, I feel like I've I, seen them before, but they don't come to the surface until you bring them or you tell okay. me about them.
1: Yeah, that sounds really, really good.
0: I have high hopes. And I've been reading so many books set in Scotland this year for some reason, and I keep them coming. I love it.
1: Awesome. Okay, great. All right. My first book is The Book of Magic by Alice Hoffman. Yes. Comes out October 5th, which I do think October 5th is the big pub day for Mm -hmm. October. I think so. And this is the final book in her Practical Magic series, I guess. And here, I learned something. I did not know Alice Hoffman's books were were listed as fantasy in the Hmm. fantasy genre. I guess I always thought, I don't know why I thought historical fiction, because they're not true.
0: (laughs) They're they're witches. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I don't know.
1: Okay. Anyway, I learned something. I'm very excited. So this one is about the Owens family, and they have been cursed in matters of love for over 300 years. But all of that is about to change. The novel begins in a library, our favorite place, yep. the best place for a story to be conjured, when beloved Aunt Jet Owens hears the Death Watch beetle and knows she has only seven days to live. Jet is not the only one in danger. The curse is already at work. Oh, man, I, that makes me sad when I read that because I know you haven't read the other books yet.
0: Just the first one, but okay. I
1: hope to this fall. Okay. The Death Watch beetle is not a good sign. Um, <laughs> so cut to a frantic attempt to save a young man's life spurs three generations of the Owens women and one long lost brother to use their unusual gifts to break the curse as they travel from Paris to London to the English countryside where their ancestor Maria Owens first practiced the unnamed art. Ooh. The younger gen. Yeah the younger generation discovers secrets that have been hidden from them in matters of both magic and love by Sally, their fiercely protective mother. So it goes on to say a little bit more about the kids and aunt Franny. She is going to also be in the story. They're going to explore what happens when they are willing to give up everything for love. And really, Alice Hoffman can explore that topic like no one else. Also, there is a breathtaking conclusion that Mm -hmm. celebrates mothers and daughters, sisters and brothers, and anyone who has ever been in love. Okay. What I had really loved about her previous books was the globe-trotting sort of the way you get to go from city to city to city. Mm Mm-hmm. And it sounds like she does that again. So that's always I'm fun. So excited. I'm so excited. That was The Book of Magic by Alice Hoffman. Okay, you've reminded me now that I need to pick
0: up book two and three and try yeah. and get to them before October 5th so I can try and oh. get this new one going. I know. Can you do that? Do. We'll can see. Can you do that? Not with our pact to read <laughs> out and all these other books coming.
1: <laughs> I know. I do think you can definitely alternate with print and audio, because I know you said you have these in print. I do. The audios are great. Okay, good. Really, really good. Good to know.
0: Okay, what is your next pick? My second pick is Five Strangers by E.V. Adamson. This one also comes out on October 5th. This was a complete cover buy, so to speak. I love the cover. I'm going to try and describe it to you guys. So it basically looks like it is flipped upside down and shot from below. So you have grass on the top of the cover, and there is a limp hand laying there, and the bottom of the cover is the sun. So very, very eye-catching. And this is said to be a gripping new thriller about secrets, obsession, and lies. It takes place in London's Hampstead Heath, a park with nature and city views, and it's the perfect place to spend an afternoon with friends and loved ones. And on an unseasonably warm Valentine's Day, the lawns are full, all is well until an aggressive lover's quarrel breaks out. There are witnesses everywhere, and they hear shouts traded back and forth and watch helplessly as the violence escalates to murder and then suicide. And as you can imagine, the bystanders are absolutely shaken. But one woman in particular, she is a journalist, she is compelled to question the truth of what she thought she saw. She can't help but try and look beneath the surface to figure out what all really went on And her life and the lives of the other witnesses slowly begin to unravel. Soon when things becomes clear, the crime that they witnessed was more terrible and twisted than they ever could have imagined. So we will see how my judging a book by its cover (laughs) turns out. This is Five Strangers by
1: E.V. Adamson. And I know which cover you're talking about. So that is, yeah, it's really good. Yeah. It reminded me of Liz Nugent's
0: Lying in Wait, which I also Really loved that book, and that's a big compliment. So I'm like, ooh, if it gives me, maybe it's similar. It sounds like it. I think it's getting some good buzz. Well, that's good. I so haven't far. heard much about it. So I just, I guess, saw it and kind of went from there. Yeah,
1: it sounds good. That's a good one. All right. My next one is The Survivors by Alex Schulman. Comes out October 5th. This is a mystery thriller. In the wake of their mother's death, Three estranged brothers return to the lakeside cottage where, more than two decades before, an unspeakable accident forever altered their family. There is Nils, the oldest, who couldn't escape his suffocating home soon enough. Pierre, the youngest, easily bullied and quick to lash out. And then Benjamin, always the family's nerve center, perpetually on the lookout for triggers and trap doors in a volatile home where the children were left to fend for themselves. As the years have unfolded, Benjamin has grown increasingly untethered from reality, frozen in place while life carries on around him. And among the brothers, a dangerous current now vibrates what really happened that summer day when everything was blown to pieces? The narrative is described as thrillingly fast paced and mixes some of the literary style of Ian McEwen and the heart of Shuggy Bane. This sounds so good because I need to know what happened on that summer day when everything was blown to pieces. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And also I haven't, Read Ian McEwen and he is on my list. I know I know as far as literary styles, he is highly regarded. His books are popular. I do want to read his book. So I don't know. Those two things pulled me in. That was The Survivors by Alex Schulman.
0: Yes, I'm glad you brought this one. I'm very intrigued as well. You know, literary kind of has I'm like, Mm -hmm. all right, what's going on here? But that one sounds very good.
1: Right. Definitely some family. Mm-hmm. Dysfunction and drama, which you like, sure do. Okay, give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do you have? All right. Next,
0: next for me is the Corpse Flower by Anne Meta Hancock, and this one comes out in the U.S. on October twelfth. I saw this called as the girl with the dragon tattoo meets <gasps> sharp objects, and I'm like, wow. okay, sign I didn't me up. Know that yeah, yes. The author is a Danish crime writer, and this is her debut novel in the U.S., but she has been published in Denmark to great success. This is actually book one in her Kaldan and Schaefer crime fiction series, so I imagine if this does well, there'll be more that are brought over. Oh, that would be great. So in The Corpse Flower, you have Danish journalist Heloise Kaldan, who finds herself in the middle of a professional nightmare. One of her sources has been caught lying, and she could lose her job over it. Then she receives the first in a series of cryptic and unsettling letters from a woman named Anna Keel. And the journalist realizes that this murder investigation has personal ties to her. So Anna is wanted in connection with the fatal stabbing of a young lawyer three years earlier. She has not been seen by anyone since she fled the crime scene covered in blood and the police think she's left the country. Then someone else turns up dead, a reporter who originally wrote about the case, and he's found murdered inside his own apartment. Everyone is wondering, has Anna Kiel struck again, or is there more than one killer at large? And more specifically, why does every clue point directly to Heloise called Don? Now, I have not read Scandinavian crime fiction in quite some time, but I thought this sounded very promising. I also love the cover, and I was lucky enough to get an audio copy of it. So I'm going to try it out very soon. This was The Corpse Flower by Anne Mehta Hancock.
1: Yeah, that sounds exactly like something I would like. That would be so nice if something like this fills the spot of, you know, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I mm-hmm. know it's still being, you know, I know it's still out there. We can still read those books, but they're not quite the same right. as Stieg Larson.
0: I, I in, agree. My, in my opinion. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Cause Steve Larson okay. uh, sadly passed away and there's a new mm-hmm. author that is filling in. Right. Trying to finish the series. Right. He's taking, yeah, he's, he's taking, taking it over. It over.
1: Um, but anyway, while you were talking, I was thinking, how are we going to decide? Like we are going to be fighting over all these books <laughs> and who's going to read it. Whatever. We'll, okay. We'll yeah. just take our tur- take turns and. See who reads what first. There you go. All right. My next one is Letter to a Stranger, Essays to the Ones Who Haunt Us by Colleen Kinder and Leslie Jameson. Mm. This comes out October 5th. These are essay collections. So definitely nonfiction. And what the author did was put out a call to 65. Well, actually, she put out a call to authors to write a letter to a stranger who haunts you. She received 65, at least 65 responses. Those are the ones she has picked for this book. She, she received thousands, I'm sure. So the responses were intimate and addictive, all in the forms of letters, all written in the second person. These short, insightful essays by today's best literary minds are organized around such themes as gratitude, wonder, and farewell, and guide us both across the globe and through the mysteries of human connection. So for here's one of the examples. I know I pulled up a little tidbit on it. Lauren Groff submitted a story or a letter to a stranger that she had met in Italy when she was a teenager. And it sounds like the letters are going to span just anything and everything, but about why or how someone that just crosses our path that you never, you will, will probably never see again. How are we haunted by them?
0: Oh, I just thought this what was a clever so, premise,
1: right? This is so interesting because isn't this true? I mean, there are people, if you think about it, if you stop and think, that you meet for just a short time, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, I'm sure it could be good or bad. They're gonna, haunt, they can haunt you.
0: I can. See it, that. it got me.
1: Th- of course, it got me thinking. Yeah. So I'm very excited to read all of these stories. And that was "Letter to a Stranger: Essays to the Ones Who Haunt Us" by Colleen Kinder and Leslie Jameson.
0: That sounds so good, and that sounds like a very Renee book in the best way.
1: I I think so because you know. I do I do love thinking about anything that is either the potential of haunting or like something that you can't let go of or, you know, me and my in another life sort Uh of Uh it it kind of kind of has those that tone, I guess, of what might have been in just a different take.
0: Well, I'm glad you found
1: that one. I have not heard of it. No, me either. I know.
0: Okay. All right. Next up for me is I Love You, But I've Chosen Darkness by Claire Bay Watkins. This one also comes out on October 5th. And this is a book that explores postpartum depression. You have a tenure-track professor who goes on a trip for a speaking engagement to Reno, and she leaves behind her husband, their baby daughter, and she takes not much with her but her breast pump and a spiraling case of postpartum depression. She's using this, of course, as her a part of her career, but it serves as a temporary escape from domestic duties, and she is reconnecting with old friends. However, it mutates into something else. It turns into an extended romp away from her family and away from the confines of marriage and motherhood. And it sounds like she starts to spiral and kind of really goes down a dark path. She's deep in the Mojave Desert where she grew up and she's running into ghosts at every turn, people that she used to know. She's got her first love, her father, and a member of the most famous cult in American history mother, and it goes from there. As I said earlier in this episode, I've really been loving stories of motherhood, and this one sounds like it's very intense in that it's got a very witty, wry, kind of almost- desperate main character. And I just really have been gravitating towards some of these stories where you're in the first couple, you know, months of early motherhood. It sounds like it's pretty literary. It's getting some great early buzz. Love the cover. And I actually what caught my eye, quite frankly, the most about this was the title. I love you, but I've chosen darkness. I think that is a fantastic title. So I'm excited to see what this brings. It's it also said that it's darkly funny, which can go either way. Wow. But when darkly funny is done well, it's some of my favorite. So I'm excited to try it out. This is I Love You, But I've Chosen Darkness by Claire Vae Watkins.
1: Yeah, that's a great title.
0: So we'll see what it brings.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to wait for your thoughts on that one. But that could be really different than some of the other books that involve postpartum mm-hmm. depression and mothers grappling with that because none of those were darkly funny. Right, well, right. I, I mean, thought, this is a different take.
0: I thought when I ran away was darkly funny. When she, some of the things that she does by Alana well, Bannister, you're right. Mm-hmm. I loved that book, and so that's what reminded they reminded me of each other. So I'm ho- hopefully I'm right. Okay, good. Well,
1: my last pick is We Are Not Like Them by Christine Pride and Joe Piazza. Comes out October fifth. Okay, I think all my books came out <laughs> October. That's all right. Well, those what were, are you gonna do? It, yeah. It's a popular day. The premise of this is Jen and Riley have been best friends since kindergarten. As adults, they remain as close as sisters, though their lives have taken different directions. Jen married young and after years of trying is finally pregnant. Riley pursued her childhood dream of becoming a television journalist and is poised to become one of the first black female anchors of the top news channel in their hometown of Philadelphia. But the deep bond they shared is severely tested when Jen's husband, a city police officer, is involved in the shooting of an unarmed black teenager. Six months pregnant, Jen is in free fall as her future, her husband's freedom, and her friendship with Riley are thrown into turmoil. This sounds So good as far as Mm -hmm. every aspect. But what I, what really drew me in is the friendship angle and the idea that two best friends could have something like this happen and what, what's going to happen to them Mm -hmm. and their lives. And, and I just, I would, I need to know. And the interesting part about this, and actually, I don't know whether these two authors are friends in real life. They might be, but Joe is a white author and Christine is a black author. So this feels like they, each character is going to have a very layered viewpoint mm-hmm. because each author is writing each part.
0: Yeah. So I, I love I think when that's going to that. be
1: really, really interesting and really good. That was, we are not like them by Christine pride and Joe Piazza.
0: That was also on my long list of something to bring today, so I am glad one of us got to it.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited about this one.
0: All right. Well, those are our October books. We will see if they actually end up coming out in October or not, but my shelf edition for today is a book. I was, of course, doing some research into books that I wanted to bring for spooky season, and this is something I grabbed from the library. Uh, It caught my eye. It's got some of my buzzwords in it, but it's called The River at Night, by Erica Farinick. This is Backlist. It came out in 2017. And the synopsis is that it's a high-stakes drama set against the harsh beauty of the main wilderness. The story follows four friends as they fight to survive the aftermath of a whitewater rafting accident. Now, I am not outdoorsy at all. I am perfectly <laughs> content to stay inside, but I've really been enjoying books with nature in them recently and the the nice thing about this is they are female friends so i want to see how things devolve and like how do they get out of the wilderness what's going on very curious to see what this brings i also really liked the cover so this one is the river at night by erica Farinick. can i tell you something yeah do you know it
1: ah uh, i read it
0: did you when it came out
1: oh, no what did you think Do you want to know? Well, you have a. I'm (laughs) reading your facial expression, so not really. (laughs) No, I. Oh, then I fooled you. Tell me. Yeah, yeah. I loved it. Oh, for
0: real? Oh, Oh, I'm so glad. (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad. Honestly, the look on your face. I was was trying to keep you in suspense, and I don't. And
1: I'm not going to tell you anything else. This is one of those books where when you read it, you remember what was going on and where you were. Only because I'm not lying. I think I may have read this. I know it was right when it came out, but I remember because we had to go to Darren's company's Christmas party. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I remember I could not put this down. And we were late and he was <laughs> not happy. <laughs> but I, oh my God. And I didn't get ready on time. I was, and I, and I kept thinking in my, like, I don't even care. Like, I should go get ready. Oh. And I'm telling you. Oh. It that's is so one fun. of the, it was just the best reading experience. I just, I could not put this book down. Oh,
0: I'm so, so that's so that glad. Is,
1: that's my two cents, but I'm really curious to see where you fall. And I'm the same way because about, about camping mm-hmm. and being on whitewater rafting, I have absolutely no interest in nope. that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. No, man. So I was really fascinated to see. Like to kind of live vicariously, although, you know, the story is is intense. So I hope that you I hope you
0: do read that soon. That's so random that I. Okay, well, good, good. I'm glad to hear that. Yes. Okay. what's your shelf edition?
1: My shelf edition is a future release and it comes out January 18th of 2022. And it is The End of Getting Lost by Robin Kerman. And this is billed as a psychologically suspenseful, cunning love story following a young dancer unable to recall the past year of her life after suffering a head injury on her honeymoon, revealing an intimate portrait of love's powers as well as its dangers. Okay, here's what got me. The year is 1996. A time before cell phones, status updates, and location tags. I love it. When you could still travel to a remote corner of the world and disappear if you chose to do so. This is where we meet Gina and Duncan, a young artistic couple madly in love, traveling around Europe on a romantic adventure. It's a time both thrilling and dizzying for Gina, whose memories are hazy following a head injury. And the growing sense that the man at her side, her one companion on this strange continent, is keeping secrets from her. And really, I'm just going to leave it there. I love everything about that synopsis. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you, you've you been kind of into book set in nature. I have been really drawn to books set before cell phones. Yes, <laughs> you know what I mean? That is- it's, it's weirdly specific to say mm-hmm. that. But… I am loving some of these, I'm even going to say old, old school stories about any events and like put us in the story and we don't need to worry about technology Mm -hmm. and cell phones and the plot doesn't have to, we don't have to like pick it apart because, oh, well, if they just use their cell phone, I just love the fact that we're going back to a time before that. When you
0: said that as a part of the synopsis,
1: I was like, oh, yep, I know that pinged your
0: your interest.
1: Yes, for sure. And the title of that, again, was The End of Getting Lost by Robin Kerman. That sounds excellent. January 18th.
0: That's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us out by following us wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our podcasts out to new listeners and grows our audience. And don't forget, if you are interested in exclusive bonus content like mini episodes, our newsletter, and closed Facebook group,
1: please consider supporting us for $5 a month on Patreon. Feedback and questions about the show can be sent to booktalketcetera at gmail.com. You can also connect with us both at Book Talk Etc. on Instagram, Tina at TBR Etc., and me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember... Everything's better with books.
0: Do you have like another 10, 15 minutes? Yeah, I just need to... I'll I'll pop out and go to the bathroom. Well, I'll allow allow that.